This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Howdy doody, everyone. Nice to be here. Howdy doody, everyone. <laughs> I thought we just needed a signature intro just to sort of build brand recognition. We're going to build brand recognition <laughs> with howdy doody, everyone. <laughs> All right, well, I'm workshopping it. Looking for listener feedback, actually, everyone, if you want to... Yeah, send us your thoughts, cve at equitymates.com or on the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. Did you like or not like Howdy Doody Everyone as a (laughs) sign-on? We'll be sure to ponder that question and many others in all our free time. So, uh, Thomas, serious time now. We're Mm. talking the budget again. Mm. It's – look, the the hangover's worn off. It was a big night last Tuesday night, I'm sure – Many, many, many people around the country uh, got excited for budget night in Australia. It's unlike any other night, isn't it? It's a special time of year. Yes, it is, it is. And you really see that in the absentee data on Wednesdays after budget. (laughs) A lot of no-shows at work. What did did Bob Hawke say? Anyone who, any boss who sacks his worker for not turning up tomorrow is a bum. That was following Australia's America's Cup win in the yachting when people used to watch yachting uh, and it apparently stopped the nation. (laughs) Bob Hawke was like, yeah, that's it. Everyone should stay up and watch yachting. Side note though, have you seen the yachts in the America's Cup these days? No. They are like spaceships. Right. They are like water waterborne spaceships flying around on, on the ocean. Like unrecognizable from really? the Kookaburra too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Whatever it was. Huh. The Kookaburra that won. I remember I had to do a school project oh. where <laughs> I had to do a school project where they needed someone to design the front cover of like the class book that we were going to have and it was right around America's Cup time and everyone was super pumped it was all of, everyone was about the kookaburra the kookaburra too i think it was so they're like who can draw who can draw the cover of the book and me i got no artistic talent for drawing whatsoever but i love being involved in things i put my hand up and like every kid in the class put their hand up and the teacher was like um all right, Adam, you can do the cover. <laughs> so I remember getting home and I remember saying to Dad, Dad, I need to draw a kookaburra. <laughs> and he, the only thing we had, do you remember those encyclopedias, that, ency- that set of encyclopedias we used to have uh, at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Dad bought it at an auction. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so there was no yachts in this encyclopedia. Well, the, what the kookaburra too wasn't in there. 
And so we decided it would be easier if we could, if we copied a picture of a kookaburra <laughs> out of the encyclopedia. I've never seen such disappointment when I arrived back at school the following day with a picture of, of a kookaburra bird <laughs> when everyone was expecting, the, you know, the famous yacht. Oh, right, I feel like we've, we've well and truly diverted from our, the task at hand. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? America's Cup. No, no we're talking about the budget. Budget. Uh, mm. And the fact that people did have to go to work following the budget. You know, the, the thing was, did you watch the budget? No, no, no. It was like the most nerdy rap battle ending <laughs> that I've ever seen to, <laughs> to a speech. Like, so Josh Frydenberg has delivered his budget speech and, like, at the end he's like, and... That's the budget. <laughs> I almost like really gave it. I forget what he said. But he really just sort of threw it down. <laughs> and as he did, ScoMo and the rest of the Liberal Party, they all just jumped up and they just started like clapping hands. And they're just like, yeah, way to go, Josh. Smashed at Zoidberg, that kind of thing. Like everyone was just totally pumped. And on the other side, it was like Albanese must have said to his crew, just like if anyone claps... You're not working tomorrow. <laughs> they just gave Frydenberg and Co. just this kind of like mm. epic stare down, and it just seemed like the half of the Parliament House was just erupting in euphoria at how amazing Frydenberg had done with the budget, and the other side was just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all it's all very tightly staged, managers. As we were saying last week, it's it's a really a media show first and foremost. Mm. Ah, it's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, we had the budget and so I'm hoping because there's a lot in it, obviously, mm, it's mm. a budget, you know, you're, you're kind of obliged to put a lot in it. A lot of people say that, oh, there was a lot in this budget. It's like, well, <laughs> I reckon if you just rocked up with one idea for the budget and said, yeah, we thought we might build a road over there. <laughs> Very elegant budget. They're like, yeah, well, that's good. We definitely need a road there, but any other any other ideas for the budget? No, no, that's, that's all we had. We want to keep it simple. <laughs> There was a lot in it, so I thought maybe, Thomas, you might you might run us through some of the key takeaways from your perspective for the budget. Yeah, I think when, it, when I was looking at it, the, the, the one thing that jumps out to me is that, so there's this thing called MyEFO, which is the Mid-Year Economic and Financial Outlook, <laughs> which is MyEFO, another term for you. That happens in, in October, and so it's like six months. It's a little sort of the budget comes down in May, and in October they have like a mid-year review of where things are going. So... At MyEFO, the projected budget deficit was $196 billion, which was going to be massive. For this financial year, it's now down to $161 billion. So we've saved $37 billion there somewhere. And that's come about because the economy is tracking much better than we thought. Things things are pumping along, doing really well. Unemployment uh, benefits have that burdens come down, tax revenues are going up. We've got an iron ore boom, um, which is driving a lot of revenues into government coffers. So things are doing really well, and the budget's mm. the budget's improving. The budget outlook for next financial year twenty one twenty two is literally unchanged. Well, practically unchanged. It went from one hundred and eight billion to one hundred and six billion. So it was almost exactly the same. Mm. Over the forecast horizon, out to sort of twenty four twenty five. There's an, it's actually $37 billion worse. Right. 
Yeah. So what's happened is that UBS cranked the number, crunched the numbers on this. There was a hundred billion dollar improvement in the budget bottom line just on improving economic conditions. So the economy doing much better than we thought. Right. That gave the the government an extra hundred billion dollars to work with. But what they did, what they chose to do, was rather than fix the budget, rather than pay down debt, repair the budget, or anything like that, they mm. decided to spend it. So they funneled that into spending. Because they have called it a really big spending budget, right? Like it's just like it's like the Oprah Winfrey of budgets, where just everyone gets a car. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone. Yeah, it's something for everyone. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a big spending budget. It's still, you know, even though it's $37 billion less this year's budget, this year's deficit is still the biggest since World War II. So we're still talking about some really big numbers. And next year, 21-22 at $100 billion, that's still a really, really big deficit. That's huge. But it's a really interesting choice that rather than start the process of budget repair, rather than starting to pay down the budget deficit, they decided to keep spending and to keep ramping up spending going forward. Right. So the really interesting question is why they made that choice. Why have they done that? Now, there's a sort of a bit of talk in the financial press that Phil Lowe and Stephen Kennedy, so Phil Lowe's the head of the RBA, the central bank governor. Stephen Kennedy's the head of the Treasury, the Treasury Secretary. So they're, they're like the two top-ranking economic public servants in the country. Right. And they meet with, with Josh Frydenberg and, the, and crew on a regular basis. So there's a sort of a narrative building in the media at the moment that Phil Lowe and Stephen Kennedy have been in his ear and saying, look, we really want to try and get the unemployment rate down to four point something. Yep. And that's, 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 what, that's what we should be doing. That's what you guys should be doing. Phil Lowe is saying, we're not going to see inflation until we get unemployment down into the fours and that's going to give us the wage pressures we need to get inflation back into the target band. So he's saying, like, we're not, we can't hit our targets unless fiscal policy pulls its weight, the government spends, and we get unemployment down. Who, who calls the shots there? Is it, is it the, the RBA kind of – do they normally get to kind of lean on the government to make these kinds of decisions, or is it normally the other way around? The government leans on the RBA and says, hey, we reckon you guys should, should do this. We're, we're going to change this policy or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, the, the, the government's boss, the government's boss, the, uh, the RBA has statutory independence. So, mm. um, it gets to sort of run its own show within the limits of its mandate, but like at the end of the day, the government sets the mandate and can change the mandate. Yeah. So yeah. It's a stay in your lane, RBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you want in a democracy, right? You don't want some institution just running its own show that's not accountable to the house of the people which is the parliament uh yeah i guess so i mean you know if you want to be boring yeah well if you were in charge of the rba things would be different but well it'd be a lot different if i was in charge of the rba we get that road over there um yeah so yeah no there's no the uh, phil Lowe doesn't have any leverage on the treasurer he can just suggest this uh yeah and hope that he that, hope that he listens um and so this, so this narrative that's building, and I'm saying the narrative because I'm not sure I believe it. The narrative that's building is that Frydenberg has listened to Lowe and Kennedy and gone, you know what, guys, you're right. I get it. I want to see unemployment with a four as well. <laughs> so supportive, Frydenberg. <laughs> it's, it's that empathy coaching they've been getting. <laughs> I hear you. I hear, I you. hear you, guys. I feel your need for an unemployment rate with a four. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so and so that's what that's what 
the narrative that's being and so the AFR was running an article on this last week saying that yeah he's had this epiphany you know previously he was talking about getting looking at budget repair once unemployment was um, comfortably below six so in the mm. five somewhere um, now he's saying he wants a four I was going to ask this question a bit later on but we've you've mentioned the term a few times already now which is budget repair mm. what are we talking about with budget repair is it we're fixing the budget yeah, yeah, we're paying we're paying down the deficit, paying down debt. Right. Yeah. So running more surpluses, using the surpluses to clear the debt, right. so to speak. Yeah. That's 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 repair. That's what budget repair means in that context. Mm. Very good. All right. So in terms of what we were spending it on. Yeah. Well, so, so on that. So yeah. So it may be the case. It may be the case that um, he's seen the light and now believes that Australia needs an unemployment rate with a four in front of it. He, he right. may be genuine about that. He may... It may well, hang on, why would he not want to be? Why would he... Um, what do you mean? Did he have to be convinced? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what, Josh? We need to get, we need to get unemployment down. Mm, I'd rather not. I'd, I'd really rather that... I'd rather have a budget lots surplus. Lots of people out of jobs. Yeah, no, well, this is, this is the thing. Given the choice previously, the coalition mm. government would have said... If the choice is between an unemployment rate with a four in it and a budget surplus, we'll take the budget surplus. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So previously, they've been very committed to the budget surplus. They've banged on mm. about the debt and deficits disaster. Um, yeah, back in the black. Back in the black. Yeah, there was another stage moment mm. for you. Everyone cheering as he mm. laid down that line. <laughs> I feel like a complete sucker because I'm like regurgitating that line several years on. Like, it, like obviously, yeah. their marketing department would be like, it worked. We've got idiots who are still saying it <laughs> yeah. in 2021. I mean, because this is, this is what sticks. This is like, yeah, soundbite politics because that's, that's mm. how it works. Yeah, but given the choice... Previously, until uh, pre-COVID, the government would have said we would prefer, you know, a surplus. They definitely wouldn't have said we're willing to spend $100 billion to get unemployment down from five-something to four-something. That, right, know, that okay. definitely wouldn't have happened. And so it's potentially, it, you know, may, it may be the case that, you know, he's had an epiphany. He's willing to, he's willing to make that trade-off. He's willing to go, yep, I'm willing to add another $100 billion to the deficit as to, to get the unemployment rate down, mm. which is which is kind of an MMT kind of way of thinking. I was just I <laughs> took away my opportunity to sound smart. I was almost going to say that's because of his big money printing machine he's got now. He doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's the first treasurer with a money printing machine. He's got the easiest job in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden, golden times. Mm. Yeah, yeah, poor poor Wayne Swan had to labour with a. Had to had to try and at least pretend to get the budget in balance. <laughs> Josh Froome is like it's a decade of deficits, it's sort of as far as the eye can see. There's just not even pretending to care about the the budget anymore. Yeah. Anyway, who else would like some money? Yeah, <laughs> we've got heaps. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So that that may, so it may be so like there's two options. One is that there's this paradigm shift. Road mm. to Damascus moment where Josh Frydenberg's gone, yep, you know what, let's spend, let's get unemployment rate down, the deficit doesn't matter, I'm willing to spend, let's just get, make sure everyone's got jobs, let's get wages going up, that sort of thing. So that might, it may be the case that that paradigm shift has taken place within the coalition. It may also be the case, and this is the other alternative, mm. is that there's just the machine printing out money and the government's gone, gee, we've got a lot of problems, what if we just throw heaps of money at it? 
and see what happens. <laughs> In fairness, that that's if I had a money printing machine, that would literally be my answer to everything as well. You just mm. go, you go, well, like that. And that typically is the way of the world. There's not many problems that can't be fixed by throwing lots of money at it. I mean, if you kept throwing enough at most problems, they'd kind of go away. Yeah, that, I mean, or you could, that's true. You could throw money at someone else to take your problem away. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, that's kind of true. But if you think that the problem is that, for example, that the coalition has a deep cultural problem with its relationship to women and treatment of women, mm. throwing money at the electorate isn't really the solution to that problem. No, it's probably true. It's, yeah, it's a fair point. And, and, so, th- and so this is the, a line of criticism that's come out about this budget. It's like, okay, yep, it's a, it's a big spending budget on aged care, healthcare, disability care, women, mm. women specifically singled out for, for money for different, different things. But it's saying like, well, they're all the problem areas that the government's got right now. You know, it's mm. perceived to have a women problem. It's perceived to have mishandled aged care. So it seems like it's it's a it's a budget full of this is the, this is this is Labor's response is that it's it's full of political fixes, not mm. not strategic policy. Yeah, fair enough. So it's trying to buy its way out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's why. Yeah, and so I think they're they're the sort of the two options, and they're they're kind of related because it's what what the government does with the money. But you know, so this narrative that's building in the media, and it wouldn't surprise me if this has been, you know pushed by the spin doctors of the government to say like, yep, yeah, the government's had a, had a realisation they're now deeply committed to this 4.5% unemployment rate. Mm. That might just be a line that they're pushing out there to cover just a big pork barrelling exercise. The other thing, there's an election next year as well, isn't there? Or, or this year, yeah, very soon. Like it's potentially the last, yeah, the, the budget before the election. So it's freed up, right. it has freed up a lot of cash to be able to spend in the run up to the, in, in an election campaign. There you go. So why don't we take a quick break here and we'll get a word from our sponsor and we're back with more, including Labor's reply to the budget right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And we're talking the budget and the fallout from the budget. And we've heard a lot about what was in the budget from the coalition. But, of course, Labor had their chance to reply, Thomas, to the budget on Thursday. They had a couple of days to digest what was in it, and they came back with their reply on Thursday. And i got to say, I didn't hear a lot about Labor's reply. I don't know if I'm looking in the wrong places in the media, 
but it doesn't seem as carefully constructed as and carefully stage managed, as you say, as the government's budget was. It seems like Labor was struggling for airtime with their reply. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the news cycle's moved on. It's two days, mm. budget's two days ago. It's old news. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't even know what happened this morning. <laughs> Yeah, no, they struggled for that. But I mean, Labor's budget reply was interesting, I think, in the sense that they just they, they kept it pretty tight. They said, like, okay, we're not going to release a full alternative budget with full alternative costings and hundreds of different projects and all of that. They just mm-hmm. outlined a couple of key differences and focused on that, which I think is smart in, in, a, in a political sense because there's, there's no appetite for, for, for a big budget reply. This is like, just to give us a couple of key differences and, and you know, that's as much as the public's got an appetite for. <laughs> it reminds me, you know, like if you've ever done like a group presentation thing or a group, like a seminar or something, and then at the end of the seminar, they're like, um, all right, what I'd like to do is just go around to each person. If you can just give some thoughts on, you know, what you got out of the seminar today, what you, you know, what your takeaways were. And the first person gets up and they say a bunch of stuff and then it's your turn next and you just kind of get up and go, yeah, I pretty much just what the first guy said. Um, <laughs> and then I also liked the morning tea. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of that's kind of Labor's budget reply, isn't it? They're like pretty much what Frydenberg said, mm. but there's a couple of things that we do differently. Yeah, which is kind of smart. Like it saves you having to, you know, try and as you say, yeah, stand out. Yeah, um, and if you've got your key differences, and that's really all it needs to be. Well, the first half of the reply was just a hyperlink <laughs> to the original budget. That explains the QR code that Albert <laughs> Easy was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> just for the first for the first ninety percent of the uh, of our policy, just scan the QR code on my shirt. <laughs> well, I guess because they, they had a problem, right? So from what I saw, or well, the the coalition's budget, as you said, was kind of very uncoalition, mm. and so oh, yeah, a lot cut, of things that they probably had in there sure. was what Labor might like to do anyway. So Labor can't come out and say, "Well, that's a dumb idea," because that's because mm. it makes a lot of ways it makes sense, and that's probably what they were going to spend a lot of their budget money on. Mm. So it kind of doesn't leave you anywhere to go other than, "Well, here's what here's what we do differently." Yeah, yeah. So what would they do differently? What were their sort of what was their key key messages? There's there was a handful. The the big one was building thirty thousand social housing homes, right? For like affordable and key like essential worker housing yeah basically yeah so they're gonna build yeah six thousand a year for the next five years so thirty thousand homes over the next five years um yeah so it's pretty that's a, yeah, it's a good policy it was widely sort of applauded um you think about like we typically build 40 to fifty thousand homes a year in australia that's that'd be a sort of average year so adding you know five to six thousand on top of that's another sort of ten percent or so so yeah, that, that's that's significant. It's not nothing. Mm. Mm. And yeah, social housing has really been been sort of gutted since the Howard Howard government. Really, like investment in social housing and community housing has been been falling. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, so turning that around seems like a good use of money. And I think it, it's sort of politically, it's a good sort of 
good differentiation point. And like, well, if there is all this money, surely housing our most in need is has got to be a priority. Particularly as house house prices are on a tear again, so people are feeling that affordability pain point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you know I sort of joke before about before the break about there's not many problems you can't throw money at to sort of make go away. And you know things like social housing, you think well. We should have a crack. If we've got all this money to print, then, yeah, why not have a crack at, um, you know, throwing lots and lots of money at it, building lots and lots of houses and yeah. trying to help the situation. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, it's, 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 it, I mean, you can't, it's a hard one to argue against, hmm. particularly for sort of essential workers. Yeah, so that was sort of interesting. They're, they're, they're funding it through the Future Fund, so they're going to give $10 billion to the Future Fund to invest. I did hear that. What's, this, what's the Future Fund before you get too far into it? So the Future Fund was set up by Costello back in 2004, I think it was. So it's like a fund, it's a sovereign wealth fund. So it's a fund that manages money for the government, for the government to then spend on things from the proceeds, basically. So it's a managed fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It manages money for the, on behalf of the government. And when you say manages money, what, it invests it in things and... Yeah, yep, yeah. Just like any like any, any of us would in, invest in an ETF or a managed fund or... Yeah. So it's just... It's the government's Robin Hood trading account. That's what it is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit overweight on Tesla, but that's the idea. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> right. So they're, so they're going to use, as long as it's not kind of dipping in, like it sounds, when you say future fund, to me it sounds a lot like, you know, college fund or um, mm. rainy day fund or kind of like this is money we're putting away for a, for a rainy day. Mm-hmm. We're calling it, it's a future fund because it's... For the future, yeah. For the future. <laughs> um, I mean, that was the idea. I think, I think it came out because uh, after the sale of Telstra and the government ended up with all this money that it didn't want to just sit on, so it like hived it away into a future fund to right. deal with spending on stuff. But it's interesting that yeah, the, okay. so the Labor's policy, it seems, isn't to tap money in the future fund, but rather to give the future fund $10 billion and then from the proceeds of investing that $10 billion, the money, the returns from those returns, then take that money and build houses. Mm. Risky. Mm-mm. I mean, it's risky. <laughs> <laughs> Safe as houses, mate. <laughs> well, you know, that's all well and good for the future fund, you know, if it's not invested in, in Tesla or whatever, or it's managed responsibly and it goes up, I guess it, mm. I guess it is. Someone, someone smart's probably in charge of that. Yeah, yeah, you hope. But uh, this, as the point's right. It's a low interest rate world right now. So mm. are they going to be able to raise enough money to, to build it? And yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, another word that's come up a bit that I've heard is austerity. Mm. And it's dawned on me that among many, many words in this, this world, uh, I don't really know what it means in the economic context. Mm-hmm. So when, when we're talking about austerity and people you know, an austerity budget, what are we talking about? Um, typically, we're talking two things. One is reducing spending and the mm. other is increasing taxes. Oh, probably three things, actually. Reducing spending, increasing taxes and selling off assets right. to raise money. So probably the, the classic example from, from recent times is Greece. So when through the Greek financial crisis, um, the Eurozone got together and said, right, you guys owe us all this money. Um, we want you guys to run an austerity budget to be able to start raising money to pay us back. So we want you to raise taxes, cut spending, and sell off all the ports and other assets you have. Right. 
Um, so this is so the budget. This is not an austerity budget then by any stretch. No, 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 definitely not. So this is the kind of opposite. Yeah. Is the is the coalition? Are they kind of have they got a, a track record of austerity budgets? Is that why it's being mentioned so much at the moment? It's normally what you expect with a big deficit. Is typically and this this is another this is another place where the economic orthodoxy has shifted in in the last couple of years is typically if you had big budget deficits and unsustainable debt, then you needed an austerity budget to get you back on track and, right. and back in the black. But that's shifted now. So now we think and one, of the, one of the key lines that Frydenberg's been running with is that the best way to repair the budget is to grow the economy. And so if you, if you grow the economy, then you start, then tax revenues increase, welfare spending and so forth goes down, and so your, your budget naturally improves with it with a growing economy and this was always the criticism of austerity budgets is it saying like it's a short-term measure but if you sell off all your all your valuable assets and you raise taxes which chokes economic activity and you cut support spending which pulls money out of the economy all Mm. of those things are, are a drag on growth and and so you end up in a in an austerity spiral almost and that's sort of what greece got stuck in Mm. It ran austerity budgets for for a long time, but really didn't took a long time to sort of get back on its feet. Yeah, it's like if you were, you know, for me, if I'm like, oh, I need some more money in the family budget, you just start selling the couch and you sell the TV and you sell everything. Eventually, you run out of things to sell. You haven't improved your financial position, you know, because you've you, if you're doing it to to meet your debts or whatever, mm. it's not sustainable. You can't you can't just keep you know mm. selling things off because you have to buy them again and then you're even worse off. Yeah. Once you get to the essentials. Yeah, it's very much like that. Very much like that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mock me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to put it in, in language people understand, Tom. No, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But it's also, yeah, no, it, it's, well, it's a bit sorry, like I that. Shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't rope everyone else into my... I'm trying to put it in a language I understand. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's a bit like yeah. But it's also in that you know, if you had a daughter who's earning money in make, running a lemonade stand, and then Germany comes mm. and forces you to sell that daughter off mm. in order to pay back German debts, then you know you've lost a productive asset. You've gone backwards. Yeah. See, simple, isn't it? When you say it in <laughs> common language that people can get their head around. <laughs> Uh, all right, that just about does it for this week. But um, one, I just wanted to just quickly cover off a story that we, we talked about last week, which was the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Oh, yeah. Good news, we didn't know how long it was going to be back uh, until they were back up and running, but they are back up and running. They reportedly had to pay $5 million in ransom um, to, get the, to get the keys to unlock all their stuff. But apparently unlocking all their stuff was running so slowly that they had to just keep restoring for backups as well <laughs> so wow. um but the other good news from that though is that look the dark side ransomware gang have announced that they're closing up shop that was after their servers were seized and someone drained their cryptocurrency whoa from an, the account the group uses to pay their affiliates so i know the fbi were looking into them and the cia and whoever else and so i suspect they they might have got them but uh yeah, they, they put out a thing saying, yeah, we're out of here for now. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not even sure if it's for now. They said, we're out of here. Um, what? Are they, what are, they, are they releasing media releases or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they, they, Why? Yeah. What, who's monitoring what they're doing or cares? Have they got investors? They're, they're, or? A, they're a business. They got wow. yeah. <laughs> they have got investors. That's really? how they sort of operate. They're a they're like a. Uh, I mean, not you know, they're not publicly listed, but um, but no, they got. That's how they. That's how they kind of get their resources. They solicit for for people to join them or invest in them, and ransomware is a service. That's what it is. <laughs> it's it's true. Service. That's actually a thing. Um, wow. So yeah, they. That's kind ah. of what they do. I feel like there's a whole world here. I don't. I don't know enough about that. I want to know more about. We should do a oh, show on it. Welcome to my world and mm. economy and economics. Mm. So yeah, maybe we'll do another podcast, mm, mm. but specifically about uh, hacking and <laughs> and ransomware attacks. All right, mm. let's leave it there for now. Um, good work, Thomas. I think that's enough of the budget. Yeah, uh, for this year. Let's let's talk about the budget again this time next year. Mm-hmm. I'll look forward to it. Don't forget, you can check out all the other great podcasts from Equity Mates. We've got Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, Meet, Pay, Love, You're in Good Company. Uh, Thomas, thanks again for your explanations tonight. Thank you. And we'll see you again next week. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.